Good morning. Sounds like that music wasn't enough for some people. They had to add their own little bit with your phone. Good to be here. Hey, I, I hope you guys are excited about this morning. Um, I sound like I have a ring. Is that true? It's a ring on this thing. When I really hit it hard, I'll try and maybe not hit it so hard. Um, sometimes we come in and we expect like the worship team's gonna like be there and just lead us into God's presence. And so we just kind of hang back and we sit there and we're going, well, I'll try and do it. Bring it on, just try. Try and get me to God. Um, the great thing that we know about our God is our God shows up. He's here right now. It's really, I mean, if, if there was just one person up here with a horrible voice singing and we were singing with them, God would be here. Amen? And I thank God for our worship team. Amen? Right? Great group. It's, I mean, regularly, just that we have people that are so talented that can also use their gifts to bring us into God's presence. But um, God is here and he wants to do something. He wants to speak to us. He wants to change our lives. Um, he wants to make us more like Jesus. And that's why we're here to meet with him. So I want you guys to be encouraged because God showed up. <laughs> Love you, Gloria. Thanks for that. Welcome to those who are online as well. Hey, you guys, it is good to see you this morning. Let's turn to somebody and say, hey, it is good to see you this morning. Good to see you. Have you guys ever thought about... Okay, don't get carried away. It's good, it's great to, for those of you who are online too. Thank you for joining us as well. But turn to somebody. Why, why? Have you ever thought about how many of our um, welcomes and our farewells, how many of them have something to do with sight, right? Good to see you, see you later, right? Not if I see you first, you know, that whole thing, right? You guys didn't catch that one, did you? Do you remember you used to say that? Yeah, okay, you'll, you'll get there, you'll get there. Over the past decade, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, sight is such an important part of our lives. We, we have it in our greetings, we have it in our talk, we have it in the way that we just, we talk about life. But um, over the last decade, I've noticed that my sight has been slipping a bit. Some of you guys can relate to this, maybe. You know, I found out that if I wanna see something that's smaller and it's up close, I need to put on my magnifiers, right? And when you wanna see something far away and you wanna see it more clearly, you gotta put on some kind of prescription or something, because it's just slipping. Now, some of you guys are out there and you're going, oh, boo-hoo, right? Because I've had glasses all my life. So what that means is that you know, and you've known for a while, the thing that I'm just coming to terms with, which is, you know, when our sight goes, when something impairs our vintage, this vision, it is a pain, isn't it? It's just a hassle. I mean, my wife regularly, Carrie regularly says to me, she says, I'm not sure which is worse, you know? When the vision goes or when the hearing goes, I can't figure out which one I, I miss the most because it's hard. You know, I said last week that two times in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about, talks about this idea of impaired vision. The passage that we saw last week, it talked about our impaired vision towards God. Today, he's gonna be talking about our impaired vision towards, towards others. So stand with me as we read God's word and we hear what the Spirit might have to say to us from Matthew Chapter seven, verse one through six says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the judgment you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you measure out that judgment to others, it will be measured to you. 
Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother or sister's eye, but do not see the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother or sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take out the log out of your eye and then you'll see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs. Don't throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The question I have for us today is, have you ever been dismissed by someone? Dismissed, just kind of, and, and for not being good enough. It may have felt that way like when you applied for a job and you were rejected for that job. It may have been that you uh, were stood up on a date, right? It may have been that your kid comes in and they're in that mood again and they call you, you know, you're, you're, you're a tool, mom, you're a tool, dad, right? I mean, so, and they lay it, and, and it's one thing when, when there's some grounds for that kind of judgment, right? But when someone misjudges you, when someone dismisses you without any reason, that's when it's the hardest to take. And, and why? Because we know in that moment that they haven't really even seen us, right? This is the kind of blindness that Jesus is talking about. We've all been guilty of it. We've all had it done to us, but this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 7. Today's message is about doubtful discernment. Father, this morning, give us ears to hear and give us eyes to see. Because we need to hear the voice of your spirit as he speaks to our heart because we know this is a regular part of our world. Not just the world that we live in, but the world that we have to navigate through. It's everywhere. It's in us and it's all around us. And so help us to see the things that we need to see so that we are not a part of that, that problem, that breakdown, that tearing apart, that we're not living with impaired vision, but instead we are living with that clear vision that you can give us through your spirit, through the grace that is ours in Christ. So Father, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to understand these things so that you might change us, transform us, that we might be more like Jesus in this world that we might be part of your work to bring your kingdom to this world, your kingdom of grace and of compassion, of love, of kindness, of goodness, of peace. We pray these things for your glory, Father. We pray these in the name of Jesus and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. So I know it's been a few months since you've had to mow the lawn or rake the leaves, or do any yard work whatsoever, but I want you to put yourself back in that beautiful time when things were a bit warmer, and I want you to think, have you ever been out doing yard work, and all of a sudden something kicks up and flies right into your eye, right? And it doesn't even have to be that big, right? Just a speck, just a speck of grass or, or of those leaves, and it flies in your eye, and immediately you're out, you're out of the game, you gotta turn off the mower, you gotta set down the rake because your eyes close involuntarily, everything starts watering up, you can't see anything because just this little speck and you can't do anything until you, you take care of this little tiny issue. So we get it when Jesus is talking about specks in our eyes, right? We get it when, he, when he's talking about 
what it means that we have these little specks that are, that are keeping us from seeing. And we get it when he, he talks about that there are times that we have things in our lives that we have to get out of our lives before that we can live the life that God intended. We understand that. And so when he talks about um, these sins and these, the brokenness that's in us and the habits that we have, we get that. And we understand. What we also find is that part of what we do as the body of Christ, part of what we are here for, and what it means to be a part of this community called the body of Christ is that we come along each side of each other humbly and we, we help each other to remove those specks from our eyes, to remove those things from our lives. We come alongside of each other with those spiritual distractions and those sinful kind of disruptions to our lives so that we can see God's purposes more clearly, so that we can see how to love each other more effectively, so that we can see how to walk with Jesus closely. One thing I have never seen, though, when I was out doing yard work and something flew into my eye is my neighbor come running over and say, hey, can I help you? Well, they have a beam sticking out of their eye. Never seen that. In fact, that's a very bizarre kind of image, isn't it? It's kind of disturbing, actually, to even imagine what that would look like. Someone with a beam sticking out of their eye trying to help you, swinging that beam around, trying to help you get a speck out of your eye. And so we say, well, then why did Jesus, why did Jesus use that image? It has never happened probably in the history of mankind. Why would he say that? And one of the questions we need to ask, though, is what, what would ever be compared to a beam if all of the sin and all of the bad habits and poor choices that I'm, I'm trying to get out of my life, if he compares those to specks, what could ever be called a beam? It ends up that Jesus says, when I unfairly judge, when I unfairly condemn and dismiss other people, when that happens, or when they do that to me, this is the beam. This is when we have a beam coming out of our eye. And it ends up that we live in a world that is full of a bunch of people with specks in our eyes, with sin and brokenness and habits and craziness in our life. We, we, we're in a world full of that, but we also have a world full of people with beams sticking out of their eyes that can't see each other, can't do anything to help. Jesus starts out, and he starts out in Matthew 7, 1, and he, he, he uses, this is actually one of the most quoted verses in all of the New Testament. It's one of the most quoted verses by those who follow Jesus and by those who follow, don't follow Jesus because he starts out and he says, don't judge, right? You've heard that before. I mean, most of the time what it means is I am saying that to you so that you'll quit evaluating me about anything. Don't judge me. Just quit judging. Just let me do what I'm doing. Don't judge. But if you read on in Matthew 7, 1, you see that that's not what Jesus is saying, Right? That's not what he's getting at. What he's really saying in this context is he's saying, don't, don't unfairly judge. Don't misappropriately judge. Because he says when you do, says don't judge, don't unfairly judge so that you will not end up being judged according to that same kind of judgment. 
He says, so know that the judgment that you hold up to others, you will be held up against it as well. And you'll find out that you come up short and, and the measure to which you mete out that judgment, the intensity to which you mete out that judgment will be the same measure, the same intensity by which you will be judged by it. And we look at that and, and first thing is, well, that's kind of sobering, right? If we just thought about if, if I were held up against the judgment with which I judge other people, how would I do? But it says that, that judgment, why should we be careful? Because it's going to come back around. And when we look at this, the first question that we ask is we say, what is Jesus talking about? Does he mean that somehow how we judge others is the judgment? Somehow that's going to kind of inform God's judgment of us? And I want to tell you, um, there's nothing in these verses that, doesn't, that, that takes that out of the picture. I don't know. There are other places that it says, yeah, there's a possibility that how we judge others, it does affect, it somehow uh, informs our own judgment by God. But there are other ways that this comes back and it comes back in our world immediately. When you unfairly judge others, you set a standard up within the community or the family or the system or the workplace in which you are. And you set it up and then everybody goes, oh, I guess that's what we do here. And you begin to see the same kind of judgment shifting, especially if you have any authority or have any place. And you set it up and then you find others begin to judge each other in that same way. And that judgment will come back around. It'll bite you. Also, when you set up a standard of, of, of inappropriate or unfair judgment, you will find that you'll start judging yourself by the same standard you set up. You'll start tearing yourself apart by the same standard, the harsh standard, and in the same measure that you judge others. For example, let's say that you are an extreme perfectionist, right? And you start lashing out at others for these small imperfections that they bring into your world. They start messing up your world and you start, you start harshly and intensely judging them for their imperfections. Well, you can bet that learning that they're going to turn around and turn that same standard back on you. And you can bet that they're gonna find those imperfections that we all have and you'll be crushed by that same kind of judgment. And beyond that, you'll find that you will be ruthless with yourself with that same kind of standard of perfection. You will not let yourself off the hook and you'll find your life will just be driven into the ground by your own judgment of yourself. And here's the final part too, because what people often find if they hold too high of a, kind of that perfection standard is that they can't see God as any less. They start seeing God as the one who judges by his own perfection and how we either meet it or don't meet it. And they start seeing God as the one that we can never attain to his level of perfection. And we always are falling under judgment. You will be judged by the measure of judgment that you meet out with the same intensity that you meet it out. Now in saying these things, Jesus isn't saying that we shouldn't evaluate anything. That's usually how the quote's used, right? Don't, don't evaluate me. Don't, don't say anything bad about anything. 
that I'm doing. But the reality is, is we live in a world that we have to make judgment calls, right? We have to say, you know, is this situation, is this safe? Is this person a good one for me to be with, to be hanging out with? Is this a community that's a good fit for my life or for my family? And so we're, we're always making judgment calls. There are things that are appropriate that we judge them, and there is a right judgment that we can make. There are things in this world that require evaluation. They require judgment. Even times they require condemnation. If I get a speck in my eye, I go, I don't say, oh, this is wonderful, right? Say, that is bad. I got to get the speck out. That's a judgment. And we do this in our lives as well. If I don't get a job, I had mentioned, you know, if we don't get a job, I apply. If I don't get a job I applied for, because I, I went in there and I knew it was a long shot and I'm vastly underqualified for it, I've been judged rightly, right? If I get stood up on a date because I treated that person like a jerk, on, on, I mean, I've just been a complete jerk to that person on the first date I had with them, then I gotta tell you, anything less would seem like, you know, that's foolishness on their part. That's a little bit, you know, I, maybe a bit of, um, you know, uh, there's something going wrong if they don't judge me rightly in that situation. If I, if I am condemned by a judge, if I stand before a judge and I'm thrown in jail for a crime I've committed, that's right judgment. In fact, that's a judgment that everyone in that courtroom, including the judge themselves, they know that we are all under that kind of scrutiny, that kind of judgment. So there is, there is right judgment and Jesus is not talking about that. He's not talking about the fact that there are specks in our eyes that need to be removed. There are sins in our lives that need to be taken out. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this thing called unfair judgment. And we say, well, what does that look like? Well, we go to the end of this passage in Matthew 7, 6, to the last verse, and Jesus tells his, his audience exactly what he's talking about. What does this unfair, inappropriate judgment look like? And he quotes this. He says, don't give what's holy to the dogs. Don't throw your pearls before pigs. Pigs trample pearls under their feet and dogs will turn on you and tear you to pieces. You go, well, how did that help us understand? <laughs> that didn't really clarify much. Um, what is he talking about? I don't believe that this is a principle that Jesus is teaching us. I don't believe in this context. I, I, I tried to teach that. I tried to understand it in that way for a long time. I believe this Jesus, this actually is Jesus highlighting for the audience that he spoke to a beam that they had sticking out of their eyes. I think this is Jesus talking to his audience to confront something that caused them to evaluate and it was causing them to condemn a whole swath of people who were in their world who God actually loved. Now, if you just take it at face value, it's true. You shouldn't throw pearls to pigs. They don't understand the value of them. They'll trample them under feet so that they can get to their, to their slop bucket and eat their corn husks, right? You don't take even the very Ark of the Covenant out of the temple of God and set it before a dog because it will miss the fact that it's covered in gold. It'll miss the fact that it has holy and powerful objects in it. It will miss the very presence of God. It'll turn on you and rip your arm off because it's hungry and wants some dinner. Right, So you don't do that. That's just wisdom. The problem was in Jesus' days that pigs and dogs, that, they, that had a much bigger meeting 
in Jesus' audience. That Jesus' audience, many of them would have seen the world as made up of two different types of people. There were the people of God who knew the things of God and understood what holy things were and understood the presence of God. And then there were the rest. And the rest were considered, they were called the Gentiles. They were also called by many of the people in Jesus' audience, they were called pigs and dogs. Pigs because they were unclean. Why were they unclean? Because they ate unclean meat, including pig meat. They ate shellfish and they ate lobsters and they ate, you know, they ate clams and things like that, right? That God has said not to eat. Are you guys offended yet? <laughs> right? They were pigs. They were unclean. They were unclean by God's laws. They were dogs. They were unreasoning. They were violent. They, they stood against the things of God. They ran right past them. They... They, they would work seven days a week instead of taking a day of rest. They had not been called as God's people. They did not live out a history that showed the very story of the grace of God. So they were called the pigs, the dogs. They were the incapable. They were the unvalued by God. They were the dismissible. And Jesus says, you know what? That is the beam that's in your eyes because you completely miss misinterpreted that what God was doing in your life and in their lives, when he called you as his people, when he gave you his laws, because he says people are never pigs and dogs. People are never those who are dismissed. People, even the Gentiles, even those who vastly differ from you, even those who don't understand why you believe what you believe or why you do what you do, they're not the pigs and dogs to be written off to say they are never going to be worth anything, so don't give them anything of any value. Even those who have hurt you, even those who have who have spoken against you, he says, these are those who God has loved, who God has treasured as a merchant would treasure a pearl without price, a pearl that is beyond value. Those who are treasured and loved like a mother loves her child with this visceral love because she had carried that child within her own body. It compels her to love that child. That's the love that God loves you with and loves them with pursued by God as a sheep that has gone astray, as a son that has wandered off. So people are never pigs and dogs. We miss everything when we dismiss everyone because we have judged them with a judgment that is not from the heart of God. We may think that we're being discerning, we may think that we're being wise in our discernment. We may even come up with a cute saying like the one that Jesus quoted, but he says that is doubtful discernment and that is destructive wisdom. And it not only harms them, it harms us. So he says in verse five, before you go trying to help others discern the specks that are in their eyes, before you try and come alongside of others to help them become better people and become more like Jesus, make sure that you've taken the beam out of your own eyes. Make sure that you're not judging them by an unrighteous judgment. And we say, now hold on a second. Hold on a second. So the sins in our lives, Jesus is calling specs because 
Sin's a big deal, right? Isn't sin a big deal? I mean, aren't we talking about those deceptions and those, those hatreds and those lusts and those addictions and those habits and those petty grievances? Aren't those the things that we're talking about? Jesus is saying are like, they're specks. I mean, those are big deals. They destroy our lives. Those are the things that unravel our communities and, and destroy our relationships with one another. But do you hear what Jesus is saying? He said, yeah, those, those may be a big deal. They will shut your eyes down. They will keep you from seeing. But compared to those, this kind of judgment, this kind of leveling of this misguided judgment on one another compared to those is like a beam sticking out of your eye. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. You know, I asked you at the beginning if any of you have been mis, misjudged, dismissed by others inappropriately, wrongly. Because when it happens, it has, it has that deep effect on us because we, we realize they are not seeing us. They're not seeing us. They're not able to help us. And I think that the reason that it hurts so deeply is because we know Each one of us know, I know that God has woven into you an understanding that you were made for more than that. You are created by God to be this amazing creation that bears his own image, who's called by him, called by him and gifted by him. There's this innate nobility in each one of us even if we cannot articulate it, even if we cannot kind of wrap our head around it, but that God has placed within us an understanding that we were made to be called to be his own children and to live in this world in a way, in in a life that we can't even at times just, it says we can't even imagine the things that God has prepared for us. So when we're inappropriately dismissed, it, it digs in deep. And we sense this, this sense of injustice. And yet, even though we feel that within us, how quick are we to judge other people with that same kind of judgment? How quick do we write off other people who are unlike us, who, who may not understand us, others who have been made in that same image of God? So you say, what, what's... What's the solution? What, that's the negative side. Jesus highlights the blindness, but what, what does a life look like that doesn't have this beam sticking out of its eye? Well, it looks like Jesus, right? It always looks like Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Jesus who, who came and he spoke to us and he's spoken to each one of us according to that vision that sees what God intended us to be, not just that vision of what we tend to be on our own. It looks like Jesus, Jesus who sees us as that intentional creation of God, that, that, that one who is valued by God above all else, Jesus who sees each one of us as that child of God that we were meant to be. In, in 2 Corinthians 5.16, it says, It starts out with these words that says, from now on we recognize no one according to the outer appearances. 
We recognize no one according to the things of this world. We recognize no one according to the status they hold or the, 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 the things that, even the things that they have done. We recognize instead, we are trained by Jesus to see others as God meant them to be and means them to be and is calling them to be and to join with Jesus in calling them to that place. So how does that look? What does that mean for our lives? What does that mean how should that impact the way that we interact with one another, that we interact with others in our lives? I think there are three things that we can take. The first is this. We need to learn to see others the way that God sees them. We want to be seen by others the way that God sees us. We need to learn to see others the way that God sees them. What that means is we need to learn how God sees us and how he sees them, right? Right? Where do we find that out? This isn't about making up some kind of sappy image of, I believe that God thinks we're all wonderful all the time. He, he doesn't. We have specks in our eyes that need to come out. There is that. But do we know what God has said about his love for us in his word? Do we know how deep that love goes? Do we know what God has said about the amazing capabilities and, and, and gifts and callings that he has woven into each one of us. I want you to look at the person sitting next to you, or if you're at home, I don't know, look in the mirror or look at somebody sitting next to you, but I want you to, I want you to look at that person. Do you see the person, do you see that person as that person that God has woven amazing gifts and callings and abilities into I love, I love looking back here. And I saw, as you're looking at, it doesn't matter the age. You look at little kids or you look at those who are, have lived for decades on this planet. It doesn't matter. Do you see people as God sees them? Do you know what God has said in his word about, for, about how he forgives our failures and our sins? and what it cost Jesus to do it, but that to him it was worth it. Do you know what God has said about the access that we have to the very power of God through his Holy Spirit to have that transformation take place in our lives that removes the specks from our eyes so that we can see and we can walk without our vision being impaired? Do you understand what God has said about our responsibility as his community to humbly come along side one another in order to take part in that process. So learn to see others as God sees them. And then learn how to act out of that vision that he gives you. The second is this, learn to recognize the difference between specks and beams, right? There's some things that are really important to God. There are other things that they're not so important. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus came down on another group of people. He, he calls them hypocrites, just like he says hypocrites here in verse five in our passage. He, he calls them down for being blind guides, just like he's calling this group into account for having beams sticking out of their eyes. But he calls them this because he says they paid attention to things that weren't important over the things that were most important to God. They paid attention to the little details that weren't big details to God and they missed the things like, they missed the things like ju justice and mercy and faithfulness. 
the way they act towards others, the way they act towards God, and the way that they reflect the very heart of God. And he says, because they missed that, they missed it all. Are, are sins important? Are they important to pay attention to? Yeah. Get the specks out of our eyes. Yeah. That's important. Are, is, is it important to learn to do the right thing at the right time in the right situation and to walk and be guided by the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. But Jesus said the one thing that'll take all of that, that'll make that not even worth talking about is this issue of judgment. Unless we root out this wrongful and destructive kind of judgment of others that keeps us separated from others, that tears apart their lives, that tears apart our lives, unless we get that out, it's like, what are we paying attention to specs for? We have a log sticking out of our eye. So third, the third is this, and I think this is probably the most important you guys, we are on this earth. We need to learn how to flood this earth, not with the judgment that we come up with out of our own heads, out of our own brokenness, out of our own uh, inexperience. And we need to flood this earth instead with the mercy of God. The mercy of God. The Bible says that while we were still in our sins, that's when Jesus met us. When we were, still, we were still arrayed against him like enemies to do war with God, that's when he laid down his life to set us free. In Romans, it says that it's the kindness of God that turns us the other way. The kindness of God. Not the judgment, not the condemnation, not the harsh and severe kind of retribution of God. It's the kindness of God. Jesus... <laughs> several times in his, in his ministry, he turned to his disciples and he said, you know, if this is what you see me doing, when it makes sense that if you're my followers, you would do the same. God calls us to lead with mercy, to lead with his heart, to lead with kindness, to lead with seeing others as God sees them and coming alongside humbly that they might become more of who they were called to be Become more like Jesus. And I love the words in James where the brother of Jesus in his talking about this whole thing of mercy and judgment. And he says, and remember, mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy will win. So have you ever been dismissed by others unfairly? Have you ever dismissed someone unfairly? written them off with a judgment that's not from God. Jesus calls us to shape this world by God's mercy, by his vision, his clear vision, and not the impaired vision of our wrongful judgment. Amen?